welcome to Talent Bus, where I talk about talent acquisition with fast-growing SaaS companies. Today, I'm joined by Grete Tött from Bolt, and we are discussing Generation Z and how they're different, how a company should approach recruiting them, what kind of things they are watching when choosing a company to work with. And let's start today's episodes with the definition of Gen Z. So I think there's quite quite many definitions out there, but most likely it's defined by their age. So today, Gen Z is considered to be people among the age of 12 up to 27, some say up to 26. So, so kind of in that age gap is, and then there's a bunch of other characteristics that have been given to them, but yeah, mostly it's the age from 12 to 27. Yeah. And kind of the reason why we are talking about this, this topic today is the fact that they are kind of the future workforce for a lot of companies. I think mo- most companies are not, not recruiting those 12 years old, but o- already those who are maybe 18 to 20, 26 and in the future, the others, <laughs> others as well. And kind of if we look at this generation, the way they work, the way they use social media, the way they see the world, it's, it, it's very different from you know, previous generations. And the reason why this is important is like you really need to understand these people in order to make sure that you are able to recruit them in the future. And today we talk about the differences in, in this generation. But what, what do you think, like, what, what is the biggest difference if we look at Gen Z compared maybe to, you know, current workforce that most of the companies are, are currently having? I think the biggest thing is they're definitely digital first generation. So they were already born with essentially a smartphone in their hands and all the ways that they communicate are digital, which means that if companies want to reach them, they have to be in the channels that they are, um, which is, yeah, uh, digital channels. And the other thing uh, I think personally very much differentiates them is they're super authentic in who they are. And they really bring that to the uh, to their working environment and kind of expect their employers to match the conversations when it comes to different elements of life. Yeah. Mm, exactly. But let's first start from the, you know, the digital, uh, digital part of, of things and how kind of companies should be, uh, <clears throat> doing that one when, when we are talking about talent acquisition and maybe first, if we start from kind of employer branding, different channels, but what, what do you think, like, for example, for us at Talent B, we've been lately testing out TikTok for building our brand, both of our customers, but for, for employees as, as well. But what do you think, like, what, what are the channels that the Gen Z are mostly using currently in social media? Well, definitely TikTok is blowing up everywhere. Uh, for example, at Bolt, we are not using TikTok for employer branding, but that is purely also because uh, we have divided our channels between product and employer brand topics. And right now, product is uh, utilizing TikTok the most, which is fine. Uh, but for example, our talent is mostly very active on LinkedIn. Uh, even the younger ones, even uh, we've seen that uh, which we don't do much recruiting interns, but when we have had those intern positions open up, then they we can even find them on LinkedIn or they come from us through LinkedIn. Uh, but at the same time, a couple of months ago, I had a conversation with a retail 
um, HR lead who said that TikTok is their main channel for getting those younger people to join their retail company and they have put their focus there. But I think the takeaway from this is um, you can test out different channels. Uh, even like Facebook can work. I wouldn't, you know, uh, eliminate Facebook from from like, especially from ads point of view. But yeah, test out different channels, see what works for you. And then just uh, just like yeah, choose a channel, focus on that. And uh, you don't have to be in like three different channels at the same time. If one works, that's yeah. good enough. Yeah, exactly. And what at least I've noticed, kind of, if if I look at what's going on there, like if we think about kind of traditional recruitment process, I I feel like a lot of companies are utilizing, I, I think mainly you know, a email and phone on communications, and then of course, of course, having interviews whether they are face to face or uh, <coughs> Google Meets or or something like that. But what I've noticed is I feel like most of the people in Gen Z are not using email and kind of traditional phone calls that much, at least when, when they are communicating with their friends. So do, do you think that when we are recruiting Gen Z, we should actually be, let's say, sending Snapchats to them between the interviews or like, what, what do you think on the, on the communication channels or over there and how that game is changing? I think why not if that is part of company's culture where everyone is on Snapchat and that is kind of, you know, internally reflected also that you communicate between Snapchat, why not? Uh, both, although like internally we don't use email like uh, as an internal communications tools, everything is on Slack, but when it comes to talent acquisition part, then those com conversations ha do happen via email. But I do agree that like, uh, even personally, I forget to check my email. And today in the morning, I'm like, oh, I haven't checked my email in two days. I'm like, okay, let's go quickly uh, check it out. So definitely I see that uh, people are moving away from, from email. And yet again, like as I have conversations with different companies, especially if they're working on the younger side of people and if they don't have implemented a tool like Slack or Teams or something like that, then they do use like Facebook chat or WhatsApp chat as a way to like internally communicate. Yeah. Mm, exactly. But yeah, I, I kind of agree on that one. And I, I personally believe that for example, for recruitment, like yeah, email is, I think still working, but kind of if we really, really look at this this kind of new generation, I think most of them are not not using that one like super actively, but it's really other other channels. And I also feel that kind of email is seen maybe a bit kind of professional in a way. And uh, I, I personally believe that kind of if you can create this maybe even a little bit kind of friendly atmosphere when you are interviewing people or you have candidates in your pipeline. Uh, Email might be, you know, kind of a hard uh, channel to, for example, for candidates to ask something on their mind because they think that, okay, hey, this is now kind of super official. But if I could send, let's say, a message on Instagram or Snapchat or WhatsApp or, or something like that, I, I think that will be super interesting. And at least I've seen that one on, you know, buying from a lot of B2B companies that, for example, a lot of companies are moving from email to WhatsApp and kind of serving the people on the channels that the kind of the audience is already. So I, I think that will be interesting to see how, how it will, will turn out. Do, do you believe that 
presumably both, like in a few years, like do, do you still communicate with the candidates mostly over email or other channels? Uh, in few years, let's say two years from now, I believe it will still be an email. But if there is like a better solution popping up that's more inclusive, uh, where you can express more emotions, I don't know, more interactive, then I think Bolt is definitely a company who will be interested to switch or test it out at least. Yeah. Mm. But today, email seems to be working uh, uh, yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah. Then one one thing that I I feel like is is interesting, like how people will be choosing their workplaces in the future, <laughs> and at least what I'm I'm seeing is that for Gen Z, like values are a super important thing, and they, they might be even more important than salary. Like if if a person has two two offers on the table, maybe another company is paying more, but the others. Other companies' values are aligned with your values. They they actually might up choosing that one. So, like, what what do you think on the kind of decision making parts, and what what are really important things for Gen Z when when choosing a workplace? Yeah, so I would first say salary is definitely uh, important. So that's not a cue for employers to you know start uh, decreasing their salaries because maybe they might get a younger generation to come in. Uh, with lower salaries, uh, but as you said, definitely values are important. Like Gen Z is a global uh, generation. So even though, let's say, we look at candidates maybe in Estonia, Latvia, Finland, uh, but they still care about issues happening in Ukraine, issues like cultural issues happening in the States, uh, a refugee crisis happening in X part of the world. Um, and they care and they want to work for a company who who aligns with their values uh, when it comes to either like reflection on diversity. For example, Gen Z is considered to be one of the most diverse generations in the world when it comes to either uh, uh, gender or um, even like narrow divergency issues or yeah, where people are very open about their mental health uh, and they expect and they even bring like political topics to, to the workplace and like, are very comfortable with talking about like previously taboo topics with their uh, peers. And they kind of do expect the employer to reflect on that and the employer actually to make a positive impact on the society. Interestingly, I just uh, conducted like bunch of like internal focus group interviews at Bolt. Uh, so at Bolt, we have a very strong mission uh, to make uh, cities for people, not cars. So we're offering a bunch of uh, uh, better sustainable alternatives to private cars. Um, but at the same time, if I talk to our colleagues all day, they super highly value the mission. For them, it's more even important that the company is ethical. Like uh, mission is one thing, but are you being ethical? Like, are you good to the city I work in? Uh, like, are you treating your workforce well? Are you sustainable? Uh, and so on. Yeah. Exactly. How do you think like companies should be, let, let's say, for the ethical part? Like, are, are we an ethical company? But how, how companies should be kind of sharing that information? Like, do, do you believe I, if I look at like the most companies' employer branding currently, I think most companies are focusing maybe on their values or career stories or what it's like to work for the company. But uh, at least 
I can't see that many stories about like kind of the importance of the company or the company is ethical or something. Like, do you believe that is something that more and more companies will you know, focus on their employer branding in the future as well? Or kind of how, how to share that information for the, for the candidates? I think it's definitely a challenge. So, for example, before joining Bolt, I used to work at a bank and that bank was really a, like forerunner when it came to elements of sustainability and they were already thinking about sustainability before it was let's say cool and but it was a real struggle to somehow like communicate out that oh we're using uh, uh, this kind of like green energy or we're um, sorting our um, what's it called uh, the word uh, you know we have like you can sort your like uh, food waste uh, plastic and so on and then like other companies like years later popped up and they kind of dominated the topic although like we were already there before everyone else was and i think it's definitely a challenge um but it also has to start like from internally for example i was just looking at our linkedin uh, stats this morning and our top post is the one where we announced that when the ukraine war started uh that Bolt was making a considerable donation to Ukraine. And that is something that really came from internally because we do have Ukrainian employees. Uh, people were like deeply impacted when the, uh, when the aggression began. And it was kind of like people within the company wanted to do something. And then it was like communicated out there. Um, so we talked about Ukraine, we talked about people thinking about making processes more sustainable within the company, like how can we recycle more components? Uh, how can we make sure that uh, drivers spend less time, you know, going around the city and making the routes more efficient so they spend less fuel and things like that. Um, and overall, like, as I said, our mission is to make cities better. And the way that we today mostly communicate that out is through people's stories and through people's own LinkedIn's uh, where they really share like how their work is impacting the mission. But yet again, it all comes down to the fact that uh, at Bolt, people truly believe in it. It's, uh, I would say Bolt is one of the most mission-driven companies that I've ever worked with in, but it all comes down to internal communication. Do our people align? Do they understand what they're doing? And do they understand how their everyday work impacts it? And if they feel comfortable in that, then it's easier for them to communicate it out in external channels. But I think yeah. even at Bolt thinking, I think that's a fair uh, question. Like, how do we communicate out that we're ethical, not that we just have this awesome mission, but actually we're the good guys or we're making a good impact and so on. Yeah. Exactly. I think typically it's, it's almost always better to, you know, share those stories on things rather than just say that, hey, yeah. we are transparent or we yes. are ethical or something like that. So rather tell, tell those stories than just say, that, hey, we are like this. Yeah, for example, like I see a lot of companies saying like, we uh, we support diversity. We are a diverse company. I'm like, don't say that. Put pictures, like show me pictures. Show me your employees of at events. Uh, show me who's your, on your management. And then you don't have to state that you're, you are a diverse company, I can see it. And then I believe it more because, you know, they say that the paper can take anything or like digital channels and digital copy can take anything. But if you can even prove it visually or like in other ways with stories, with numbers, 
yeah, it is better. Exactly. I think one one thing that is is kind of super super crucial for for this new generation is like to be open about things and you know talk about things as they are. And what one thing you mentioned there earlier was the mental health part. And yeah. I feel like that that is super interesting topic in a way because like if we go back, let's say 10, 20 years, I feel like that was a topic that most uh, companies weren't focusing that much. I, I think it was a you know topic that you shouldn't talk out loud. Yeah. And yeah. now I feel like more and more companies are doing that and there are more and more services coming towards companies on, on the mental health, but like, why do you think that's important? Like, and how, how, for example, at Bolt, you are kind of approaching that, mm-hmm. that part, creating that kind of culture yeah. and atmosphere where, where it's okay to talk about hard things as well. Yeah. So I think like uh, the COVID pandemic definitely accelerated this conversation because in a moment, like everyone was at home, it was chaos around them. No one understood or could see like what's coming next. So suddenly everyone felt like either like something that they have not felt before. And I even remember seeing companies like starting to offer those uh, uh, healthcare benefits like during that time to that would actually cover like uh, visits to psychologists and so on. Or they would constantly bring in people to talk about mental health. So that was like a sudden switch, even for companies who are more, um, let's say, conservative or traditional. Um, But as I said, like Gen Z is considered to be one of the most uh, diverse generations. And that also comes to mental health, like uh, either it's because there's more awareness around it. So people feel more comfortable, like um, even taking on the journey of like discovering like, hey, if I feel like this aspect in my life is not at top notch, they feel comfortable going to the psychologist, uh, identifying the issues and then really talking about it. For example, just the other couple of weeks ago, I was discussing with my friends in a group and we were sharing like who has the best psychiatrist and sharing context. So it's it's not a taboo topic at all anymore. It's considered to be like a hygiene the same way as you go to the dentist, you take care of your mental health. Um, and at Bolt, yeah, we do have, uh, for majority of employees, we do have healthcare coverage that covers uh, also mental health. And we have five additional days. They're call- called personal days, and you can just take it out whenever it's needed to be taken out without any questions asked. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. I, I think lately there's been a lot of companies who are, kind of like, let's say, putting out the, you know, unlimited uh, holidays, but then when you kind of actually ask like how many days people are having holidays, most of people kind of are afraid to have have many holidays. So I I actually believe that it's it's more most likely a better way to have kind of fixed amount of holidays and some extra extra days, so people really can know like what what is expected and what what they can have when they want. Yeah. With the unlimited PTO, um, well, it also comes down to like is management actually taking out longer vacations? Are they showing the example or are they leading by example? Uh, because if management is is not vocal about, you know, oh, I took out this year six weeks of vacations, then neither of people in like mid-level management and lower uh, or like more entry-level roles is 
is not going to be or is not going to dare to you know take out extended vacations so yet again if that is part of uh, the company's internal culture that we have more vacation days then uh, management or team leads need to be very vocal that they are also using these elements yeah and then it makes sense yeah it is it is what what do you think if i look at let's say my mother or grandmother and think about like their workplaces and how how they have used to work you know people doing long long careers in same places you know tens of years in the same working place and then i look at myself uh i think i haven't been in the same place for more than three years during my 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 career like do you think that is the kind of new norm that people will be changing workplaces most super often or do, do you believe that at some point maybe like people go back to the kind of old and hey now we are staying in the same place for a longer longer time or what do you think uh i i could so yeah looking even at my family then definitely the older generation representatives have literally worked in the same place for decades right so mm. Uh, I don't, I don't really see us going back to there. Uh, but talking about Gen Z and job hopping, there's also this meme going around where the Gen Z is saying like, mm, the vibe is off. And then they're switching the company just because the vibe didn't match them. Um, but at the same time at Bolt, we see that we do have av- like higher um, average uh, uh, work. What's it called? Mm. Uh, At both, we do see that the people stay longer than the industry average. And I think it's because uh, you have to be able to pry people a uh, personal growth opportunities. And both is growing fast. So which means that like there are plenty of people who started out with very entry level roles and today have grown into those leading roles. And as the company continues to grow, obviously more um, more uh, challenges open up within the company. The other thing is, uh, I think in general in tech companies, if there's like stock options, so if the company does well, so will you, that is also motivating and that is often tied with a certain uh, certain time period for the vesting. Although I don't think I've personally met someone who has just stayed at a toxic company because the stock options are good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely examples out there personally, I don't think that is, you know, it's something that act as those golden handcuffs like if if something is off then you will go find another company who can provide the same type of perks uh but i think uh and yet again uh it's the flexibility comes also into play like are you offering hybrid or remote work uh can i work flexible hours or is it just like very stiff nine to five um yeah so i think these three combined is that there's growth opportunity, which is the first one that keeps people there. If there's some sort of additional perks or good compensation, that's also attractive. And then being able to offer flexibility are the things that keep people there. And fourthly, like it has to be like a good working environment. And I think uh, that comes down from who are your direct leads? uh, How is management running the whole thing? Is there transparency within the company? And so on. Exactly. But what I think and what I'm about to say might kind of divide people in the 
in the people who who agree and who who disagree. But at the same time, I I kind of think that uh, kind of the younger generation, me included, you included, uh, we are maybe kind of used to kind of two good things. And what, what I mean by this is like mm. if we look at let's say marriages, like you know in the past, like marriages were way longer, and when you had a challenge or a problem, you try to solve them. But nowadays, like people do divorces way, way more than in the past. Like first problem, hey, let's divorce. And I, I think I am seeing the same in the work uh, workplaces as well. You know, like if you have any challenges or you are unhappy for a while, it's just, hey, let's change rather than, you know, try to fix things. And at least for me, like I, I've been for a long, long time, the one that like I've been happy with like most of my places, but then I'm just kind of running after the perfect one. Mm. And that is kind of creating the reason why I've been changing workplace quite often. So like it, it's been good everywhere, but then I'm like running and always trying to find better, better and better mm. rather than finding maybe that, you know, good mindset of like, hey, I'm happy here. It's good here. <laughs> no, no need to change. But what, what do you think on that topic itself? Uh, I like I personally have been job hopping around for the last three years as well, so I can definitely relate to that. Um, yeah, I'm just like uh, trying to reflect. Was I ch- trying to chase the best, or like there was all, all the time I felt like something was off? For example, whether I saw that there is no next step for me, so it was time to look or whether I saw that the internal culture wasn't just where I personally wanted to be. So that kind of triggered the change. Um, Yeah, but like trying to fix. So I think it comes down to like, is it something you can fix? So personally, I would definitely advocate for like, if if there's growth opportunities, if you have a good lead, uh, then it's worth, you know, trying to find your way out of, not sticky situations, but if there's like something going on, like try to find a way out, like communicate and see if you can solve it. But yeah, if it comes down to like a toxic working culture, I say red flag and run personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think like, but the interesting thing that you mentioned, like uh, marriage is I think right now people might even have like the other way, like kind of not, let's call it perhaps commitment issues where they're kind of delaying the choice mm. of getting married uh, and actually the younger generation is getting divorced less because they're delaying the decision so mm. i think they're a little bit thinking it through again yeah. and the other way i think why divorce rates also have gone up is because in general women have more choice over their finances which means that they're not final dependent uh, mm. but yeah definitely in job hopping yeah is a thing um yeah, but uh, but maybe a question back to you. Uh, what made you stay in the in the place for three years? I think that was actually during my time when I used to work as a chef. So before hopping mm. into the business, and uh, I would say that was mainly because of the culture and the people. So it was actually interesting because I had multiple kind of other places on the table. I would say even more interesting uh, kind of roles but then eventually I kind of 
end up staying there because of people, because of team and, and so forth. So I, I think that's, that's super interesting. And now, now I go maybe totally off topic, but one, one idea that came to my mind as well, when, when talking about the marriages, you, you know, there are this thing in some countries where families organize their marriage. Yeah, and there's been actually a lot of research on that one. That typically those marriages last last longer as well. And I've been thinking, like, w- what would happen <laughs> if actually so- someone would kind of organize a job for you? So, like, hey, th- this is a great fit for <laughs> for you. Would people be more happier in their <laughs> workplaces like, or not? You know, like I've actually thought about similar service. It's like. Uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind being matched up with a good workplace, especially like today when there are so many like remote companies, so many startups or like smaller companies doing great things, working with like amazing projects. It's something that like the info wouldn't even reach me. Like, uh, so I would be open for a similar solution. And yeah, why not? Like the Indian matchmaking where you have like your criteria and then someone says like, oh, it's only 70% match is going to be a good match. And then um, you go to interviews and why not? I would be personally interested to test out such a service. Yeah, but I think yeah. there are there are something, something similar for sure. But hey, last question of the day. So I know that there are now, now people listening who are like thinking, okay, we need to under, understand the Gen Z better. We need to make sure that in the future we are an interesting uh, workplace for them. Like, if you should give like one tip for companies who want to attract that talent in the future, like where should they start right now? Hmm. Can I give more than one tip? Can I just give a thought process? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So first, I would actually do some sort of internal interviews if I have a younger generation within the company to understand like why have they joined, why have they stayed, and to understand what their peers think about that particular work or or employer or about what they do at this specific work. So once I have that mapped out, then I would start creating key messages. Oh, and I would try to understand like uh, in which channels are they most active and then choose that one channel and then uh, stay on the channel. And then the next thing is I would definitely make sure that everything is digital. For example, I see digital ads, I come to a careers page, maybe I can read like a couple of stories that are relevant, uh, that might reflect growth opportunities, might reflect some of the team leads that uh, that person will be joining in um, and talk about the internal culture. And then I will make the application process like super easy. So I wouldn't ask like to send in Oh, some companies do that. It's like, hey, easy apply with LinkedIn and then please send also like a copy of your CV and then also send a cover letter. So no, I would make it like super easy, like two clicks and done, right? Um, so yeah, these would be the things that I would do. And if possible, then I would activate some of, of the younger people within the company to talk about the company in public channels. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be my first steps. But also, you know, like at Bolt, we have this privilege of uh, when it comes to younger people or recruiting younger people is that the average age is really low. I think it's 
30 is our average age. Uh, so that mm. means that like it's very easy to tap into network. Like if a couple of people post something, it's most likely reached by a very similar audience. But as I mentioned, I also worked in banking where the average age was 40 and I was 22. And like you don't need to switch up completely your like brand because you want to go after the younger audience. Like there is plenty of people who want to work in the corporate environment. It just needs to reach them in the right channels. Um, yeah. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you got a lot of good ideas about SaaS talent acquisition. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it on your social so others can hear it too. And if you have a topic in mind that you would like me to cover in this podcast, share it with me as well. I'm Samuel Lee, CEO and co-founder in Talently, where we help fast-growing SaaS companies in their talent acquisition. Make sure to follow us, make sure to follow this podcast and have an awesome week. Bye-bye.